Welcome back to Held and Healed. This podcast is a resource filled with resources to help you on your healing journey, especially for women who are rebuilding their lives after abuse. Cannot believe that we are recording episode 70. So this has been quite a journey. I began recording, I believe, sometime in 2020. And initially, I set out to record weekly and then realized that's not always possible. Dropped back for a while to like twice a month, sometimes just once a month. But there's so many things that are on my heart lately that I have been recording more frequently. So thank you for bearing with me with the ebb and the flow, the ups, the downs of life. And I've had a lot of health issues in the last um, six weeks as well. So I am just resting a lot and doing what I can when I can. So thank you for your patience and your support. Anyone who has listened to this um, from the beginning, thank you. We really don't have any way of knowing who is listening except for someone just to reach out and say that they did. So if you're part of Held and Healed, that's my Facebook group, um, Held and Healed Christian Women Rebuilding After Abuse. If you um, follow me on social media, just drop me a message. Let me know that you're listening and let me know in particular which, which episodes have been helpful and if there's a topic that maybe you would like me to cover because I want this to be something that's useful for survivors and helpers. And if there's a topic that I haven't covered yet that I feel like I can cover, I will. And if I feel like I am not equipped to cover a certain topic, I may do some research and find someone to interview who is. So please go back into the archives and look at the interviews. I used to do those more regularly and check out the conversations I've had with amazing um, advocates, authors, speakers, writers, leaders in the abuse recovery community. As I mentioned earlier, please join us at Held and Healed Christian Women Rebuilding After Abuse if you have not done so already. That is a group that is just filled. It's a very active group and it's filled with resources and I've organized them into guides, into photo albums. You can use keywords and search for different topics. And if I have shared content that wraps around that particular issue, anything, if you, if you type in nervous system regulation, anything that I've shared that falls under that category will pop up and you can scroll and scroll and scroll and listen and read and learn. That's just a really big big topic that we cover often spiritual abuse if you just type that in the search anything that I have typed in that pertains to that topic will pop up so pray that the information will help you to feel seen and heard and understood and validated in your healing journey also you can check out heatherelizabeth.org which is my website and any offerings that I currently have um, will be available on the tabs at the top and the one I wanted to call your attention to right now is the third annual Held and Healed Retreat, which is actually going to be online September 8th and 9th. And I will be hosting that. And our keynote guest speaker this year is Sarah McDougall. The theme for 2023 is Rest, Regulate, Rebuild. So each of those categories has a lot of subcategories. And we'll be especially focusing in, honing in on the topic of nervous system regulation. Because for so many survivors of abuse and trauma, this is the missing link. They have never had anyone tell them how to learn to calm themselves, soothe themselves, and regulate themselves. And we need more than just talk therapy when we are coming out of these places. 
Talk therapy can be good if it is with someone who knows what they are doing, but talk therapy can also be very triggering because you are reliving and remembering all these specific details. So if your therapist isn't giving you tools to help you feel regulated, that can actually do more harm. So we're looking now to encourage women to find people who are abuse-trained, trauma-trained, and nervous system trained, nervous system regulation trained. And when someone says that they are, it is okay to ask for their credentials, ask where they got their training and their education. And you have the right as the consumer, as the client, to interview and to ask these questions up front. If someone says they're qualified, but then you get into a counseling therapy session and you find out they're not, or you feel unsafe in any way, you can leave. You don't have to return. And we just really want to help women feel empowered on their journey, which also leads me to the Honor Project Movement. So if you go to honorprojectmovement.org, we have the beginnings of a website there. And what I do every single month is on our Instagram feed and our Facebook feed, I do a highlight of the month and just show the projects that we were able to accomplish in that month. And so in real time, when you go to our our website, it's keeping up with the Instagram. So you can just scroll through. I don't put a lot on our feed. Um, is that what it's called? I don't put a lot of posts on Instagram, but I do keep highlights. I do keep highlights organized on Instagram. So if you want nervous system regulation, if you want um, safety resources, if you want finance resources, you can check out the highlights on the Honor Project Movement Instagram. But then the actual um, post that I keep organized, only a couple of those a month because I just want it to be a really easy, simple, clean page to come to where you can see, okay, this is what they did in March, April, May, June, July. So um, that is honorprojectmovement.org or you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram. And then heatherelizabeth.org is where you can find the retreat information, you can find the Safer Spaces Summit. I'll be talking about that later on and other video content that I have available for purchase. So today we are actually going to follow up with last week's post or last week's episode. So last week's episode was neutrality is always choosing the abuser. So if you haven't had a chance to go and listen to that yet, I would encourage you to do that because it's kind of foundational to what we're going to discuss today. You can listen to them out of order, but it's really important for us to understand as survivors and as lovers and helpers and healers who are walking beside of survivors that when we choose, when someone chooses neutrality, they're actually choosing the abuser every single time. So then I said that what I wanted to do this week was follow up because I don't just want to present the problem. I want to always, always, always offer solutions, okay? So today we're going to really, really focus on how you can support someone who has survived abuse. So while a lot of my examples will be speaking to domestic violence survivors, this is applicable to any type of abuse survivor or trauma survivor. All of these things can be applied in any situation. I just will speak more specifically to a DV survivor, because that is who typically listens to my podcast. So if you love a survivor and you're walking beside a survivor, there's so many ways that you can stand by her and support her. So as I share these um, options today, I'm not expecting any one person 
to be able to be all things to a survivor, okay? That's why I I encourage the women in my group to come up with a village. And the village is really initially just to help her get through the crisis mode. So if someone is just leaving their abuser and needs, you know, resources, a vehicle and shelter and food and clothing, we encourage those women to create a village of people and say that for the next six months, I am going to be probably the most vulnerable that I have ever been. I am going to be feeling every emotion known to man. And most of those emotions are actually going to be really hard ones. I'm not going to necessarily be feeling all the good ones yet. And I am just going to need certain people in my life to do certain things to help me survive the next six months. So there's like an end in sight. So she may include in that village her therapist. Um, she may include in that village her um, her primary health provider if she has chronic illness, which many survivors do. She may include in her village, uh, if she has family of origin, biological family support, or faith community support, or friend support, or neighbors, or coworkers. So whoever she has in her life that has proven to be safe. And that does take some time sometimes to sift through. The people who have showed up for her and supported her and said, we're here as long haulers, then she can begin to have a game plan. Okay, therapist, I'm going to need you once a week or twice a month at these appointed times. Um, Specialists, you know, keep those appointments and I'm going to need just to know that you're available if I'm having a breakdown to help me get through that. She may, if she has a mother or a sister, which a lot of the women in my group do not have biological family of origin support. It's just absolutely heart-wrenching how few have this. But if she does have parents or siblings that support her, that she may say to them, you know, for the next six months, once a month or twice a month on a Saturday morning, I'm, you know, would you be able to come to the house or can I drop my kids off at your house so that I can go run errands and have some time to myself and not have the added stress of dragging the little ones in and out of every store, okay? So you can determine what your boundaries are. And I do encourage that. <clears throat> You're one person. You are going through your own stuff. You may be a survivor yourself. This may be actually bringing back memories and triggering you from your own escape and your own rebuilding process. So it is really important to have boundaries. Go back and listen to my podcast on boundaries. I am all about boundaries. And it's okay for you to say, I'm available for a phone call twice a month, but I can only speak for 15 to 30 minutes. It's okay. It's okay. You could be that lifeline for that 15 to 30 minutes, but you don't have to leave it open-ended so that the conversation goes on for hours and hours and you both are drained at the end of that. So I'm all about encouraging boundaries. Perhaps you are helping someone financially. It's okay to say, I can help you this time but I probably can't help you on a regular basis. That's okay. It's okay to give someone a gift, a financial gift once. And then if they come to you over and over, it's okay to say, listen, that was what I had at the time, but I don't have unlimited resources. But I'll help you. I'll help you look into community resources. I will help you find out 
about food stamps and WIC and EBT, and I'll help you find out if there is subsidized housing available for someone in your situation. Or I will help you find out if there are programs that are available in our community for free. So you do not need to be the endless source. You probably aren't the endless source, but you can help point her towards the resources. So I am all about encouraging you to have the boundaries because the situation that she's coming out of is intense. And I know she doesn't want to overburden you and overwhelm you. So setting those boundaries and holding those boundaries is going to be really, really important. So helping her to establish and be part of her village. And you can say this has an end date, a beginning date, and an end date. So just because you help someone with their kids for, you know, twice a month for six months does not mean you have to do that forever. You can pat yourself on the back. I'm giving you permission. And thank yourself. Excuse me. For the six months that you were able to give. But then when that time comes to an end, encourage her to find someone else. So boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. You're going to be a part of her village during the season of rebuilding, but you get to decide what you can and cannot do. And it's okay to be very firm. It's okay to be loving and gentle with those boundaries. And let me speak a little bit to the whole safety thing because this is really important. So if someone comes to you and begins to disclose that her situation is abusive, and please refer back to the power and control wheel, refer back to the 13 patterns and systems of abuse, I'm going to also be updating soon with the 18 forms of abuse. Sarah McDougall has extended that list. So if you are hearing um, that she is unsafe and that she needs to probably begin to make a plan to get to safety, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not tell her what to do unless you are trained in this area, okay? And some of you may be. Most of us are not. And I, I even say, to my ladies. I am more here on the rebuilding side. I am not someone who is an expert on safety, legal, custody, things like that. I always, always refer them to local law enforcement, to their local DV shelters. Maybe you are not getting anywhere with her and maybe she is not getting the help she needs in these places. So let's say that at the county level, maybe her abuser is in with law enforcement, then you go to the next level. You go to the state level. You go until someone is going to listen to you and hear you. Do not leave the state with children, underage, minor children. This is, I think, in most states the case. Every state is a little bit different, but I have heard really terrifying and heartbreaking stories about mamas who wanted to get to safety and just went to see a relative in another state. And then that was misrepresented in court as a kidnapping. And you can lose custody of your kids very quickly. <clears throat> so do not do not do that. Please refer to a lawyer before you cross state lines, before you leave the country. If you are in a situation, please refer her. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to speak to helpers, but I typically speak to the, the survivor. So my... My um, pronouns are not working out too well for me today. So refer her to local law enforcement, DV shelter, local legal counsel. Don't act like you know what you're doing if you don't know what you're doing. Don't tell her what to do. So, so many um, women survivors have been controlled for so long. So when we come in as helpers and we start saying, do this, don't do this, don't do this, do we are really honestly not being a whole lot better and treating her a whole lot better than her abuser. So we need to teach her 
that she has choices and she has options. We need to give her empowerment, equip her, give her resources, and then let her make the decision. Because 24-7, she is the only one who is going to be there. We're not going to be there 24-7. This is between her and God, (laughs) what she can and cannot deal with right now. So I'll speak to the topic of not wanting to leave your kids behind 50% of the time. And I know a lot of women who are just buying time until their youngest child turns 18. We've got to respect that that woman knows her situation. That woman knows her children and give her help and support that knowing that maybe she can't get out right now. Maybe it's more dangerous for her to lose custody 50% of the time and leave her children with someone who's not safe. Maybe she feels that by being there with her eyes on her kids and her ears on her kids, that that's better for them. It's really not our choice to decide that for any other person. Now, if there is physical abuse and sexual abuse happening, that's a whole different ball of wax. And that's where the law does need to get involved. And we probably should let the law know. But when we're talking about other forms of abuse, sometimes mama staying just feels safer for her. So while we encourage women to see their worth and see their value, we also know that some women are going to be stuck because a lot of states are 50-50 and they do not care. They do not care what he's done. And so they will choose to stay until their youngest is 18. So just know that 24-7, it's really on her. And she's doing the best that she can. But we can stand by her. We can tell her we love her. We can tell her we care. We can tell her that we're available for this amount of time, this many times a month, this amount of resources, this frequency. The average woman, and I hope this is changing, as more resources, education, support is getting out there, the average woman will leave seven times, which means she returns six. Okay? And for a lot of women, they're not going to make it till the sixth time if he if he harms her. So just keep in mind that we are here to equip, empower, help women see their value. Don't take it personally. If you have helped someone to get out and then they choose to go back, this is part of the process of breaking away and it's nothing personal. So we want to listen to her. We want to see her. We want to believe her and give validation to what she's going through. So let's talk a little bit about financial support. I already touched on that a little bit. If you are in a place where you are able to help, do. (laughs) I find that with our projects and the things that we put out requests for help for, that a lot of times it is survivors that are helping other survivors because they've been there. Some of these women have known what it is like to be homeless, to not have money for legal counsel, to not have money for counseling, to not have money for food and clothing and basic needs for themselves and their kiddos. So if you are in a a place right now where you can help, please do. And I would love to see and encourage a shifting where we've traditionally given to these institutions because we've been taught that biblically that's what we're called to do. I am here to kind of shake up that mindset. I'm here to say that tithing was an Old Testament command. It was always intended for the people. It was not ever supposed to be for building big fancy buildings. And... There are people around you right now whose basic needs are not being met. While these churches are getting bigger 
and fancier and salaries for staff are going up. Take care of the orphans and the widows. And that includes spiritual orphans and widows who have been left without covering. And a great place that you can um, give on a regular basis is Honor Project Movement. We are looking at and helping with coaching needs and counseling needs. Those are the biggest things that we've been asked for. Uh, We help with grocery showers usually once a month and helping these mamas to be seen at Mother's Day, at Christmas, making sure that they have something to put under the tree for their kiddos. So we want to branch out and do so much more, and with your help, we can. But if you have a personal relationship with a woman who is in need right now, just bless her. (laughs) A gift card for groceries, a gift card for gas, uh, offering to pick her up and take her if she doesn't have a vehicle so she can pick out things for her kids for Easter or for birthdays. Um, Invest. Invest in these people. Now, you have to be wise and you have to know what your limitations are. Have your boundaries. I'm not saying just give every time somebody says to give because that's not teaching them um, to advocate for themselves. So find some balance, but making sure that their utilities are kept on and things of that nature are very near and dear to the heart of God. I believe that with all my heart. So financial support is one way. Invite her to just do life with you. So with Easter being right around the corner, um, it's important to establish ahead of holidays, before holidays. So Someone is not probably likely going to accept an invitation to come to a holiday event like Easter or Christmas if they don't already know you. Maybe some will, but very few will. So establish ahead of time and include her and her kids in everyday life if you're able to. And Friday night movies, Taco Tuesdays, birthday parties, um, just meeting up at the park and letting the kids play together, having a picnic this time of year. You can move into that type of stuff. If you own a pool and you feel safe and comfortable inviting her and her kiddos, again, it's good to have boundaries. It's okay to say these are the rules because we don't want people getting injured. And you can't just come anytime, but with an invitation on this specific date at this specific time, we'd love to have you and the kids come over and swim. And then when you are approaching the holidays, like Easter, Christmas, 4th of July, things like that, if you invite her to come into something and you've already established ahead of time this relationship, she's probably going to be more likely to say yes. And then I want to speak about something that's very personal to me right now. Um, Big life events. So as a survivor mama of young adult children, I am facing some really big life events my first grandchild is due, there's a wedding coming in a year. And when we have gone through and experienced abuse most of our lives and experienced trauma, a lot of our family of origin, a lot of our support system, our faith communities from the past, our friends from the past, they are gone. They're gone. And so I stepped out this week and did something that has been both very humbling and healing at the same time. So when it became to me, it became aware to me, I can't even talk anymore, y'all. Please excuse me. When it became obvious and I became aware <laughs> that the support system that should be there wasn't going to be there. And I, as a survivor mama of 
many years who is dealing with chronic illness and can only work part-time. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to just go purchase everything that was on the baby registry. I decided to create a Facebook event for some of the people that I felt comfortable and safe, including. And we are actually doing a male baby shower, (laughs) M-A-I-L. And it was very healing for me to see how many women I actually felt comfortable inviting to that. So I invited them to do a couple of things. Pray. You know, not everyone has the resources right now to give. And I completely and fully understand and validate that. But most of my friends can pray. Just pray for protection over this little one, for the rest of the pregnancy, for mama to feel better, for grandma to be to feel better because I want to be hands-on and involved. So there's lots and lots of prayer needs for the daddy to have strength as he works hard in a job that is really, really pushing him physically. So all my friends, I feel like they're in a place where they can do that for us. Then I shared the link for the baby registry. It has been absolutely beautiful, beautiful, humbling and healing to see these women step up. And when we get updates and we see the things that are coming and I see the smiles on my, my son's face and on mama's face, like it is just beautiful to behold. And I also am going to do, um, a diaper shower because something that was really important to me for other local young mamas in our community um, was to provide them with a case of diapers every month for the first year so that that was one less thing they had to worry about and of course I want to do that for my own child right but I don't always have the means and the resources to do these things and then also I am going to organize meals for them when the baby's born so these these ladies can just pick and choose you know what they want to do and it has been absolutely um amazing to watch this and some of these women have never even met my son but we're calling them honorary aunties and they have definitely prayed for our family through some of the hardest things that we've ever gone through so I just want to encourage um if you support a survivor and they have a big life event coming up and they don't necessarily have the support and their child maybe has a big life event you could even organize something like this for a survivor grandma to be, um, or a survivor mama to be, um, weddings. I have already asked, um, that my, some of my closest friends would be available to help with serving food, with decorating, with, um, you know, just being there to support my, my other son. Um, but also just to be there for me because that day is going to be a mashup of some really, hard things (laughs) and being in the same space as many of the people who have harmed me in the past all at the same time and so it's really important to ask your support people to be available for you in those moments and be there as your shoulder to cry on to lean on and then also meet you in practical ways I would do this for any of these friends that's another thing I'm just like I just think about who I would be there for in a similar fashion. And that's kind of who I feel comfortable like asking to do these things with and for me. 
And so when I can reciprocate, you better believe I will reciprocate. But if I'm in a place where physically I don't have a lot to give, these are the kind of people that give with no strings attached. Those are the kind of people I want in my life. And I'm very grateful. It was so awesome for me to see how many people I felt comfortable inviting into that. And then to also think about the group of women that I have in my life that when I am falling apart, I know I can call on them and I can be real with them. So my village has changed drastically in the last eight years. A lot of people that I thought were going to be there for the rest of my life are not there. But a lot of new people that I think will be around for the long haul are now a part of my village. The foundation that you, you grow and you build with having women in your life on the regular Friday nights and Taco Tuesdays, birthday parties, big life events, little things, meeting at the park. That is going to help her to feel like she can be a part of your life on the holidays, maybe even inviting her and her kiddos to go along on a vacation. You can establish the boundaries like we're providing the, the rental place, but you guys are on your own for food and entertainment. It's okay to lay those things out. And then I wanted to talk a little bit um, about other ways that you can support her. You can learn, learn, learn about abuse. There is so much. You can become informed about abuse. You can become informed about trauma. If you're not yet, if you're a woman and you're not yet part of Held and Healed, that is a great place to learn. If you are a man who wants to support women in your life who are rebuilding after abuse, I strongly, strongly advise the Safer Spaces Summit. I put that together last spring for this very purpose so that you can learn about the realities of abuse within faith communities. You can learn about how to support and stand by women and then also learn what your response should be to the abusers. If you want to go deeper, Safer Spaces Summit just scratches the surface and gives you about 10 hours of content, okay? It's a great, great place to begin. But if you want to go deeper and really learn how to support survivors, give her Wings Academy all the way. It is a one-year commitment. At the end, you have a certification. It requires about an hour-ish per week. You get to learn from all these amazing human beings who are out there on the front lines and you will have a very good foundation of understanding the patterns, the systems of abuse, the forms of abuse, coercive control, spiritual abuse, um, the safety elements. You will learn from some amazing people. So that would be awesome. Even this podcast is a resource of resources. If you just committed to listening to this podcast on a weekly or a monthly basis, you will get all kinds of great information to help you become a better helper. The Power and Control Wheel, episode three, is where I shared that. You can go back and listen to that. Episode four, I talked about the difference between difficult, disappointing, and destructive marriages. In episode seven, I interviewed Gretchen Baskerville about the life-saving divorce. So many people in faith communities still hold on, cling to the mistranslation of the verse, God hates divorce. And so a lot of churchy people will not support someone who is leaving an abuser for that reason. Go back and listen to episode seven. Understand that verses have been mistranslated. And that that verse can no longer be used, should no longer be used against survivors. In episode 19, I discussed the 13 patterns and systems of abuse. 
In episodes 26 and 28, I talk about knowing better and doing better. So I start out with harmful things that have been said and done to abusers, and then I follow up with helpful things to say and do. Episode 30 is the 12 truths for renewing your mind as you rebuild after abuse. And they really are important things for helpers to understand. These are things I wish someone had spoken over me 25, 30 years ago. Uh, episode 52 talks about traumaversary. So maybe you are going through life with someone and they're doing okay and then all of a sudden they are not doing okay. It may be because they are about to experience a traumaversary and they don't even know. Their body remembers when something happened on a specific date even before their mind can, can recall why they feel the way they feel. So ex-anniversaries, divorce dates, days that specific traumas happened to them throughout their marriage or their relationship, those can all be traumaversaries. Episode 56 is vital. Nervous system regulation. It's just a scratch the surface, begin to introduce you to the concept of the nervous system, what it is, and why we need to learn to regulate it. So this part is pertaining to kind of what we talked about last week when we said that neutrality is always choosing the abuser. When we say we want to be neutral, we are always siding with the abuser. We have to take a stand. When abuse is present in a relationship, it is not enough and it is actually harmful to say, we love you both, we support you both, there's two sides to every story. If you love her, them both you will take a stand against abuse because that is loving him not allowing him to continue in his abuse of her is loving her so what we could say to her is I love you and because I love you I want to do whatever I can to help you feel safe what are some things that that might include you could go no contact with her abuser you could unfriend and even block him on social media because that is one way to say I support her and I'm not going to be high-fiving him and interacting on his posts and just by saying your friends on Facebook he may think you're friends in real life <clears throat> if she has unfriended and blocked him don't report back to her okay She is probably unfriending and blocking for her own safety and sanity, and she does not need people coming back and giving reports. And this has been the case for me with multiple people in my life who have been unsafe. I've had to um, unfriend and block them for my own healing so I can move forward so that I could not see who was supportive of them, who was also pretending to be supportive of me. Um, There were a couple of people who went and like took screenshots of things, and I was like, listen, I I don't, I mean, I know that that person is defaming me. I know that that's what they're doing, but um, I just, I can't, I can't read this. I can't see this. So um, that is a big, that's just a big thing that's really important to me is the unfriending and even blocking. If you are asked why, so if that abuser like comes to you and asks why, it's okay to take a stand. And if you feel physically safe doing this. You do not have to respond. That's your first option. You don't have to respond if they're asking you. But if you do choose to, you could say something along the lines of, I am friends with 
survivor's name and I am supporting her in every way that I can right now. If they want to pour out their story, say I am not comfortable with listening to this and walk away, hang up. If you feel unsafe doing this or taking a stand, then respect your boundary, respect your limitation, and communicate to the survivor. So you don't necessarily have to stand up to the abuser, but you can tell that survivor, I see you, and I want you to know that I am here for you, but I am also intimidated by or scared by your ex or your abuser, and so I don't feel comfortable confronting him but I want you to know I've got your back and I want you to know that I've done this and I've done that and these are things that I'm doing to help you feel seen so again respect your own boundaries respect your own safety don't do anything that puts you in harm's way but let her know that you've got her back So I have kind of reached the end of my notes, but there are so many other ways that you can help her feel seen. Um, Find out her birthday. Find out the birthdays of the kiddos. Stick a card in the mail anytime or on a birthday, a special occasion. Find out a restaurant that she really likes to eat at but probably can't go to very often because her resources are stretched and grab her a gift card. Find out if there's something that she really enjoys doing for herself but probably won't during this season because of finances being tight. So for me, it's getting a pedicure every couple of months. And that's something that I do partly for my health. It really honestly, I need that for health purposes because is this TMI for um, a podcast ingrown toenails so the person that does my feet knows how to take care of that in such a way that I don't get that horrible horrible pain and infection and so it is somewhat of a medical medicinal necessity but I still feel a little bit guilty mom guilt when I go get a pedicure, but if someone has gifted me a pedicure for my birthday, for Mother's Day, for Christmas, for any reason at all, then I do not feel any guilt. Now, I shouldn't feel guilt, but just a personal thing I'm trying to overcome. If there is a just even just like a Visa gift card so that she can go out and buy herself a new outfit, <clears throat> because if you buy from a specific store, then she is... Um, <laughs> She's stuck having to shop there where they may or may not have what she needs. And so just like a Visa gift card that she can go or cash and say, this is specifically for you to go buy yourself a new outfit. That would be um, a huge. And I actually had someone do that for me last year, right around my birthday. She sent me money and she said, go buy yourself some clothes. What a precious, precious, practical need that she met for me. I'm trying to think outside the box. Oh my gosh, there's so many ways you can show up. Oh my heavens. Practical things like helping with yard work, vehicle maintenance, um, child care. If, you know, she wants to run a background check on you or if she wants to ask for references, don't be offended. A lot of survivors have dealt with horrific things and they just want to make sure their kiddos are safe. Showing up at her house and saying, I, I'm here for 30 minutes. I'm here for an hour. What what can we knock out today to get done? So she may need her floor vacuum. I have a friend that has stopped by and vacuumed my floor for me recently because she just knew that I wasn't physically able to do that for myself. 
Um, so yeah, think outside the box. She may need her vehicle detailed and can't afford to spend several hundred bucks and maybe doesn't have the energy or the strength to, to, um, detail her vehicle. Show up and help her knock that out. I know at the beginning of the year, as I was transitioning my home and making, um, just preparations for some things that are coming, I needed help just taking down my Christmas decorations and carrying them upstairs because going up and down my stairs 20 times is not something that I can physically do right now. And so friends would come by for 30 minute increments or an hour and help me just knock out. And what was so heartwarming and sad is a lot of them are also struggling with chronic illness. So I was like, okay, 30 minutes and then we're done because I'm not going to push you over the limit and have you go home and not be able to function because you came to help me. So cleaning gutters, um, general just upkeep and maintenance of a house. Maybe you like to paint and she just needs a fresh coat of paint on a wall in her house. There's so many ways that you can step up and help a survivor in her time of need. You can say, these are the things that I am able to do and this is the time frame and the limit that I have. What is priority? She may turn you down the first couple times, but it's okay to say, hey, this offer stands and in a couple months, I'm going to check back with you and I'm going to ask again. Maybe she needs help getting her kids from point A to point B, Um, carpooling, getting them to activities and school and things like that. So there are so many practical ways you can look at your life and what you have going on. And then you figure out what your boundary is, what your limitation is, and then offer 30 minutes here, 15 minutes there could be the difference between her feeling like she was going to make it or she was going to break apart. There is always someone out there who needs some TLC. So if you are the survivor today, I hope you're hearing this as a message that you can pass on to your helpers, not I do not want you to feel like you have to go do all this for other survivors right now. When you are in that moment of coming out and you're barely keeping your head above the water, it is okay to focus on yourself and your kiddos. Your time to give back will come, okay? It will come. But right now, what helps you and your kids, what supports you and your kids, what keeps food on the table for you and your kids is the priority, And you can let other things go. But if you are at a place of strength, if you are coming from a place where you have something to give, these are all practical ways that you can support. Above all else, let her feel seen, let her feel heard, and let her know that you believe her. That is a great starting place. And then beyond that, what you choose to do, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, dear ones who have, through the years, stood up and helped me. Thank you for the ones who set up an account and raised money so I could replace my roof and not go into debt. Thank you for the ones who showed up for 20 minutes and an hour here and there to help me pack up Christmas decorations and carry them upstairs. Thank you to the ones who have showed up for this baby shower and just blessed my socks off by blessing my son. Thank you for doing that because I would give my kids the world if I had the world to give them. I'm not in a place right now where I can do that. I can weep over that and I can grieve over that. But then something stirred in me on Sunday and said, but what you can do, what my gift is, is rallying the troops and matching needs to resources. That is a gift that God has given to me. 
And if I've done this for other people, why wouldn't I do this for my own son? And thank you, thank you, thank you, dear ones who have stepped up and loved them well. You are representing Jesus to my family. You are showing them what family is supposed to look like when so much has been stripped from us and so much is not the way that it's supposed to be. You are showing them what found family and chosen family, what the hands and the feet and the heart of Jesus looks like. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Another thing that you're doing is you are giving value to me as a human being. And my sons, until recently, have not really seen a lot of people do that, honor their mama. Most people in both of their bloodlines have been extremely disrespectful and abusive towards me. And so it is very important for my sons to see that someone values their mother and respects their mother. That's another thing you can do for survivors. Honor, their, honor them in front of their children. Speak words of encouragement and affirmation over their mother in ways that are natural. Don't be ridiculous and don't be obvious, <laughs> but say things like, you have such a good mama. Your mama loves you so much. Now, it's very different if that's not truth. Only speak what you believe is true, okay? Um, but when you see that survivor do something to take care of her kid, honor her and speak that. I'm not saying that if you are aware of a situation where a mother is abusive and neglectful that you're supposed to gaslight the kiddos. I'm not saying that at all. But if you know that a woman is doing her best and trying her hardest, encourage her, edify her, build her up, affirm her in front of her children. That is huge, huge, huge. So I hope that this has been encouraging, has gotten some wheels spinning, whatever your gift is. If you are a photographer, I just thought of this one. If you're a photographer, professional photographer, maybe consider, you know, two or three times a year giving a survivor a free photo shoot or picking a survivor mama and taking her and letting her get pictures with her kiddos because she cannot afford that, but she needs to have some some happy memories. So whatever your gift is, use it. Okay, if you're a mechanic, offer your services. If you are a landscaper, offer your services. If you are a contractor, offer your services. You don't have to do this for every single person in the world, but find one or two people each year that you can just do something kind for and give back to the domestic violence survivor community. I hope this has been helpful and practical. I hope that those of you who are survivors feel seen, heard, and validated. And maybe you have somebody you feel safe passing this on to. I hope that this really gets the, um, the ball rolling and lots of goodness coming for survivors. Thank you for listening. Please jump into Held and Healed on Facebook. Check out heatherelizabeth.org website. Check out the honorprojectmovement.org website. Give where you can if you are able and help us help others. And I pray today that you will feel held even as you're being healed.